morning. Um, we're going to be taking a break from our series in uh, the book of Daniel today. We're going to celebrate five baptisms, um, but I, it's, it's a good occasion to talk about, talk about what baptism is and what brings us to this point where people are willing to make a public declaration of, of, your, of their faith. And if you're here with us today, friends or family, people are being baptized, this is a special welcome to you. We're glad that you're joining us. You're very welcome. We're delighted to have you. And uh, I hope that over, over the course of this conversation, if you, if you hear anything that, you know, hey, I want more information about this, or I would like to know what it means to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, or I would like to know what baptism is about, then I'm going to have a chance at the end, going to have some of our life group leaders stand up, and you can uh, grab one of any of us for a conversation if you would like to. So first of all, what is baptism? So baptism is the physical act of being submerged in water. Now, just to be clear, it's a special event and a special occasion, but there's nothing holy about the water in the pool. What's significant is what's happening inside of your heart, the person who's declaring their faith, and there's significant in the act of the person who's actually baptizing the person as well. But baptism is based on faith, and baptism is symbolic of what you personally have believed, not what anyone else has believed, but what you personally have believed about Jesus Christ. So let's read this passage here, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21. What do we believe about baptism? And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also, not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So let's just unpack this a little bit here. It says this water symbolizes baptism, not the water in the tub. The water is talking about in this passage is the water of the flood of Noah. It's saying this water symbolizes baptism. And this water of baptism is symbolic of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Peter here is making it clear it's not just having your body get wet and having dirt removed from your body, but it's representative of a clear conscience before God. And it's, we are saved by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're not saved by our good deeds. We're not saved by being baptized. We're not saved by being part of a particular church. We are saved because of our own personal faith in Jesus Christ. And we're saved by the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's a critical part of our faith. So baptism is an act of faith. So faith in what? We hear that word can be tossed around a lot, so this is a really good opportunity to unpack that a little bit. It's a deep question, but it's also, thankfully, because of what Scripture teaches us, it's a simple question. So I'd like to share a verse that describes what faith is. In John chapter 1, verse 12, it says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Deep but simple. We must receive him. We must believe in him. Okay, so this asks another question. This begs another question. So we have faith. We have to receive him. We need to believe in him. What are we to believe? I mean, so Christianity is 2,000 years old. There's many different versions of our Christian brothers and sisters across the world. Is it very complex? Do you have to have a detailed understanding of church history or church of doctrine or something like that? No, our faith starts at a very simple point, thankfully. 
Believing is acknowledging. Believing is acknowledging, first of all, it's acknowledging God's holiness. God is a holy God. He's perfect. He's powerful. He is without sin. He dwells in heaven without sin. And scripture says he will not allow any sinfulness into his presence. Well, that's a problem for me. That's a problem for Dave Ferguson. And if you're honest, it's a problem for you too, because I'm not perfect. And I don't have to know you. I've never met you, some of you, in my entire life before, and I know that you're not perfect. But Scripture says that God will not allow sin or imperfection into his heaven. So we, we, we need to acknowledge that he's a holy and righteous God. We need to acknowledge that we, that I, am a sinful person. And you need to acknowledge, and this can be the hard part, is that your sinfulness separates you from God. It separates you from his holiness, and that's a problem. He doesn't grade on the curve. Sometimes the popular culture is, you know, if I die and I go to heaven, you ask somebody, like, hey, you know, somebody, Susie, Joe, whoever, if you were to die and stand before God, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say, Susie or Joe? And say, well, my good deeds have outweighed my bad deeds, or I'm not as bad as this other bad person I can think of. And it sounds like a good question, and obviously when we do good things, it's commendable and it's a positive thing in our life and the life of other people, but the standard is not that our good deeds outweigh our bad deeds. The standard is perfection. We must be perfect before a righteous and holy God, before he will allow us into his presence, before our relationship can be established, before we can become, like the previous verse said, before we can become the children of God. That's the bad news. That's the tough thing to swallow. That's where you really have to pause and slow down when you're driving in your car or taking a shower or laying in bed at night not able to sleep or walking. And It's like, can you face the fact that you're not perfect and that your perfection separates you from a holy and righteous God? It's a serious question. I thank God. I thank God that I'm reminded, like from one of the songs we just sang, that the death of Jesus Christ paid the price for my sin. He restored a path for me and for you back to God. And his death, his resurrection, is the only way that you can be restored. The only way that you can come to faith. The only way that you can believe, the only way that you can receive is to trust and the price that he paid. You can't be good. I can't be good enough. I can't even feel guilty enough. When I was a younger man, I would feel guilty about the things I did. And I thought, if I feel guilty enough about what I've done, then God would forgive me because I feel bad about what I did. And it was genuine remorse. I wasn't looking for a way out. But it never stuck. A few hours later or a few days later, I'd be back in the same spot I was before where I felt guilty because of the things I'd done. And the good news is that Jesus Christ came. He died on the cross. He paid that price. His blood wiped away my sin. His blood removes my guilt. His blood can do the same thing for you. And some of us today are, are going to be professing their faith. Five people are going to be professing their faith that they've placed in Jesus Christ, that they trusted him, not their good works, not their good intentions. They're trusting the fact that Jesus Christ died for them. He bled for them. 
he suffered for them, for me, and for you as well. Last but not least, but very important on, on this, is we need to believe Jesus not only died for my sins, but he rose from the dead because he is God and he's victorious over sin and death. Can I get an amen? Amen. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. It was an indication, his resurrection from the dead, an indication of his power, of his victory, and of the satisfaction that the Father took from his death. His life means that I can have life. It means that you can have life. It means it was the start of his church, the start of the mission that we have on this planet to love and give and serve and even suffer for those around us. So this is believing. These things, God's holiness, our sins, my acknowledgement of my sins, my belief that Jesus' death paid for my sins, my belief that Jesus rose from the dead. This is the simple foundation of our faith. Many, many other things flow from this. And it doesn't mean if you believe this or affirm this, all your problems are going going to go away. But it's the start of a new life. And his spirit will indwell you. And you'll, be, you'll have the opportunity to be surrounded by men and women who love God and are willing to love you and serve you and help you and encourage you. That's what it means to be part of a church family. So baptism is not only an act of faith that we describe, it's also an act of obedience. It's an, it's an obedience to what? Is baptism optional? It's, it's not optional. It's obedience to Christ's command. In Matthew 29, verses 18 and 19, Jesus Christ, after he resurrected, he said, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Interesting thing here, there's two types of obedience, two acts of obedience. First is the the obedience of the person who professes faith and says, Baptize me, please. I want to make a public profession of faith. But you know what the second act of obedience is? Baptizing. We have the we obey Jesus when we baptize those who profess faith. It's part of our ministry. It's part of our mission in this world is to baptize those who profess faith. And that starts, of course, with us sharing that faith. But when people respond in the power and the timing of the Lord, when they respond and they say, "Hey, I want to get baptized," we're like, "Awesome! It's my privilege and my honor and our honor." baptize. And you'll see here in a few minutes, even though I'm one of the pastors here at Oak Ridge, I'm not the only person that's going to be doing a baptism. We think this act of obedience is for every single believer. So you'll see people that aren't necessarily the pastors who are performing an act of obedience this morning, which is pretty awesome. So today we have a public declaration of faith by five individuals. And if there's something here that you've heard, like I mentioned before, if there's something here that you've heard, something that's tweaking your heart, something you personally want to know more about in your own faith, how you can know Jesus Christ as Savior, how you can have forgiveness, how you can have peace, how you can have hope, how you can have joy, how you can have fellowship, I welcome you. I welcome you. Any of us would be delighted to talk with you after the service. Feel free to grab us after the service. Feel free to give us your email phone number, something like that. We'd be glad to talk to you, get to know you, pray with you, share with you what the, about the good news of Jesus Christ. So look, let's, um, we're going to pray, and then we're going to turn our attention to uh, the baptismal. Jesus, thank you for your... Thank you, Jesus. You died on the cross. You paid the price for my sin, for all of our sins. 
You invited us to faith. It's very simple. It's very open. It's very free. You invite us, Jesus, to a relationship with you. You invite us to forgiveness. You invite us to peace. You invite us to perfection. You invite us to new life, not just life with you in heaven forever, but a source of hope and peace for today. Jesus, I knew I want to grip that, Lord. I want to turn over my heart and my life to you. And I pray each one of us, not just those who are professing faith today, but each one of us would cast our burdens on you, would, would give our hearts to you. Lift these things up in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, welcome again. And uh, I'm going to serve as the dry uh, MC as we do our baptisms back here. And so uh, up first today for us, uh, we have Chuck. Chuck, I'm going to invite you, if you would, would you share a little bit about your testimony and your, your story and journey of faith, sir? Absolutely. Well, first I'd like to start off by thanking my family and friends for coming, especially my wife, Sandy, and my two kids, Timmy and Madeline. And I also want to thank Brian for what he's done. His spiritual guidance has been amazing these past six months. And I, I, can't, I couldn't really be here without him. So thanks, thank you, Brian. And I just want to say that it's been a long journey for me um, through my entire life. It, you know, it started off where, you know, I thought I was a believer when I was younger, but then as I grew older, I kind of just drifted away from it. And, and it wasn't until recently, about a year, year and a half ago, that one day I just woke up and I was just like, what is going on? I'm not getting any younger. And what is going on here? I just, something happened. Something happened to me. I don't know what it was. And then, of course, when I was when, when I was talking with Brian, you know, I started seeing how things were and like, okay, this is it. I I found Jesus, and he. I believe that morning when I woke up, he was talking to me, and that's why I realized what was going on. And you know, with with Brian's guidance and everything, you know, we just were studying, and I realized like, wow, you know, he 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 died on the cross for us so we could be saved and we can get all our sins and he rose from the dead and went to heaven to sit by God our father and I realized how absolutely amazing that is and and it's just something that you have to take and you have to cherish it and you have to you have to go you have to do it you just have to do it and it's it's kind of it's just an amazing feeling and it's it just took me this long, you know, with all the struggles I've had, because I know, you know, it's, it's, I'm not perfect, and it's, it's been a struggle with some things that I've had in my life, and it's, it's, it's reassuring knowing that, that accepting the Lord into my soul now is putting me at ease, and it's making me feel so much better, and I also want to be a huge role model for my two kids, Timmy and, and Madeline. I want them to follow in my footsteps. And then I'm also, you know, I want Sandy to also be that way also. So I love you guys. I'll just say that um, it's been a joy to get to know Chuck. This is Kathy Sam's brother, by the way, if you weren't looking for the connection there. And uh, Kathy connected me up with uh, Chuck, and it's the easiest gospel sharing I ever had. Talk about, like, fruit, fruit that just dropped off the branch. I mean... The Lord had prepared Chuck in so many, so many ways, and um, I'm just thankful for the fruit I've seen in his life, just the hunger for God's word, 
learning how to pray and bring his, his cares before the Lord and, and um, intercede for other people. It's been really exciting. Chuck Stobb, have you put your faith uh, fully on Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes, absolutely. Are you willing to follow him as a disciple of Jesus? Yes. All right. Chuck Stobb, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. This is already exciting. Uh, Dave, would you like to join us next, please? Dave, could you share for us all present here um, just a little bit about your, your journey of faith, sir? Yes, I can. Um, hi, my name's Dave. I, so I, um, I grew up in a church, in a Presbyterian church. My parents are here. They raised us Christian, and I'm really grateful for that. And it was, it was awesome. I think growing up, I was the perfect Christian kid, if that makes sense, in that I wasn't actually perfect, but people thought I was really good. And it wasn't until I got into probably middle school, high school, that my friend Stephen, who was playing the guitar this morning, um, invited me to come to youth group at this church, and it was like, oh man, there's, there are other, that was the first time I had been around other Christians who were like my age, or a little older than me, kind of the age that I could look up to them, as opposed to at my, the church I grew up in, everyone was, as far as I was concerned, really old, and yeah, so <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, so I think it was really important for me to get the experience of seeing, oh no, this is real, like there's people just like me like my age, going through the same, same kinds of things I'm going through, who believe this, and um, also just realizing, man, I'm not, I'm not this perfect kid, man, I'm, I'm not good, I'm not good, there's things I do that are wrong, that I shouldn't do, and so anyway, over the course of, at some point in high school, I don't know, I just kind of came to realize, man, I need a savior, I don't just need to go to church and read my Bible and be good, I need to be saved because I disobey God, and that's wrong. Anyway, that's that's my story, um, and I'm here now. I am no longer a Presbyterian. Maybe that's unfortunate. I don't know, but I um, I don't know. I believe that I should be baptized, and so that's what I'm doing, and having done to me. And Ben baptized me because he was the is the youth leader here, and James because he's I like James, and so <laughs> anyway, um, that's about all I have to say. Dave, because of your faith in Jesus Christ and your willingness to follow him, uh, we now baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Kaylee, welcome, and would you mind sharing with the congregation here a little bit about your journey? So my name is Kaylee. I have a bit of a Catholic background, thankfully, and part of my parents, and I'm super grateful for having that in my life because I think it was a wonderful introduction into knowing a little bit about God. And as I got older in my teens, I just stopped going to church and I turned away from God because I thought it was really dumb and I didn't understand truthfully. And, you know, I kind of just was like, this makes zero sense. And I walked away fully. I was sort of agnostic. I acknowledged that there's probably a God somewhere, somehow in this universe, um, but I just couldn't prove their existence. But in the past year, I've been thinking a lot about spirituality and what it means to have faith in God, and I felt as if I needed to read the Bible in December, and so I bought a Bible, and I started reading it, and I was like, oh, and at first I hated it. 
<laughs> I, I really did. I, I knew, I remember that I would pray with my mom as a kid, and she would always say, you know, Kaylee, make sure that you read the Bible. I'm sorry, pray before you read the Bible. You know, that's super important. And we'd read our little verses as a kid, and we'd pray together. And so I would try to give a little prayer, and it was mostly like, God, thank you. Boom, open book. That's it. <laughs> um, but slowly I realized that it was starting to make sense in ways that I didn't understand it, and I knew that God was opening up my heart, and I came to the realization that I needed to start going to church. And that's just what makes sense, and I started doing that. I explored a little bit, and eventually Dave invited me here to Oak Ridge, and it was awesome. And I realized that, wow, this is something that I just want to be a part of my life forever. It was a gradual thing. It wasn't as if I had a moment that, was, oh, now I believe that Jesus is my Savior, but it, God showed me such great patience in my journey as I realized that I had just completely disobeyed him. I had turned away fully, and that is one of the saddest things that I have ever experienced. I think that anyone could ever experience. It's just tragic, but thankfully, God has provided us with a way to reconnect with him through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, yeah. I'm really happy. I knew that as soon as I had come to that realization that I needed to be baptized, and that's why I'm here today. Kaylee, I mean, you just acknowledged it, but you acknowledge that then you are a sinner and that you need to trust in Jesus for your salvation? Yes. That sounds good to me. <laughs> Kaylee, I baptize you in the name of the Father, <laughs> and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Hi, I'm Miles. So, kind of similar um, to what Kaylee was saying. You know, I grew up in the church. Parents are here. You know, they, they raised me that way. This is actually my second baptism. But somewhere around, like, high school, I kind of started to fall away. A lot of things were happening in my life that uh, just really didn't make sense to me. You know, I kind of felt like alone in a spiritual sense, like there were people around me, but it, it didn't really matter. Um, I battled, you know, with depression hard. Um, thank God I, I, you know, made it to the other side. But, you know, through throughout college, um, I was just kind of like, eh, you know, I got a similar thing where it's like something's there, but I don't know what it is. Or, you know, who am I to say that I'm right about what it is? Then sometime around, like, you know, December, January, you know, I started thinking about it. You know, it just made sense. When I look back on my life, I look at just all the times that I shouldn't have made it. I, just, I really shouldn't be here, if not for the grace of God. I look at how he's, like, worked through people to reach me, how he's used me to reach people. I'm just, I just really want to put, you know, I put my whole faith in Jesus. It's awesome. So, Miles, do you acknowledge that you are a sinner? Yeah. I'll say it again. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but do you also believe that Jesus Christ died in your place and rose again so that you can rise again too? Absolutely. Miles Malone, I baptize you. We baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Steve. Hello, sir. Hey, um, would you share with us, please, a little bit about your uh, your journey? Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, I'm not sure how I should feel about everyone clearing out of the pool before me, but um, <laughs> it's all good. So when you're willing to baptize an older guy, you run the risk of a longer testimony. So apologies in advance, but I'm going to do a little bit of reading. I think in some ways this is as much testimonial as it is confession. But I'm grateful and humbled to be here today before you, all of you in God, the church. When I was told to uh, prepare a testimony, you know, I was a little bit concerned because I didn't really feel like my story was anything special, you know, just an ordinary guy, ordinary life. But then I started to think about it, and there's really nothing ordinary about a relationship with God. I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior at a Baptist summer camp when I was 12 years old, and I wish I could say that I've been faithfully walking with the Lord since that time, but I haven't, you know, that I was set on fire to live for him and to do his will. But I wasn't. It didn't work out that way. And, uh, you know, my profession of faith was sincere, but it was also fragile. I was young. I was uncertain. I was excited. But I didn't really know where this was going. So I was sent home with a letter in hand. You know, it was the 80s, no email, text. And I didn't really, you know, find the support that I needed so badly um, and hoped for within the church at that time. So my faith wavered. That experience disheartened me a little bit, uh, and I began a path where I grew more distant from the Lord and from the church over time. Uh, I remained in the church as a teen, but my faith was really on life support at that time. So when I went to college, began about a 10-year stretch where I rarely stepped into a church. I grew more distant from the Lord, and I pushed them away. I pushed the church away, and I was wayward. I was wandering. I was young. I was living for myself in my 20s. I lacked wisdom and discernment. I was rebellious before God is really what it came down to, and it weighed pretty heavily on me. But the good news is while I walked away from God, he never walked away from me. And that entire time, he kept pursuing me, and he refused to give up on me. And finally, that pull, that call, became too much for me to ignore. And when I was 29, I walked back into the church as a kind of a consenting adult, you know, for the first time. But I was hopeful, but I was also ashamed, and I was reluctant at that time, still carrying a lot of baggage and not yet understanding the grace that Jesus freely offers those who seek him. So that first few years back in the church, I attended faithfully, uh, but I was really reticent, and I was slow to trust. But my mistake was this, at the beginning of my faith walk, that I was focused on whether or not the church was worthy of my trust instead of Christ. So week after week, I sat in the pews, and I watched, and I listened, and I scrutinized what I saw and heard from the church. And I was there, but I wasn't growing. I held back. I feared getting hurt. I feared being vulnerable. So I continued to keep God and the people in the church at arm's length. But eventually a men's Bible study began at the church once a week, and I don't remember how or why I got involved, but I did. And slowly I began to grow. I grew in my understanding of the gospel and God's word. I grew in my faith. I began to establish relationships with a few godly men who mentored me. I mean, I began to feel worthy of God's love. But I continued to hold back. I was unwilling to fully trust in God. I was okay with that relationship as long as it was on my terms. 
not on God's terms. So I was really kind of redefining the, the term baby steps with my uh, faith walk. It was slow. A few years later, pastor called me to his office and asked me to lead a new men's ministry at the church. And like so many examples that we see in the Bible, I was quick to cite all of the reasons why I was unworthy of that task. The last person who should take on such a responsibility for the church and God. But fortunately, the pastor was unpersuaded by my efforts to disqualify myself. So I eventually agreed, and maybe for the first time in my life, I was obedient to the God, to Lord. And the Lord did bless that ministry through me and others, not just me, for the church and for the community. And then initially, that was also a time of personal spiritual growth and maturation for me as I took on that responsibility. And on the surface, it all looked good. I was a young leader in the church. I was known. I received praise from the people in the church for the good work that I was doing. Notice the air quotes. I was proud, and I was complacent with my faith. And I was content to hold up my good works as evidence of my righteousness. But I was still unwilling to trust the Lord. So the Lord forced the issue because it was time to wake me up. I was in a marriage with a non-believer, and the Lord permitted her to walk away from that marriage. And that was devastating, and I was broken. Because my identity was wrapped up in that marriage, and instead it should have been wrapped up in the Lord. And in his infinite wisdom and love, God desired something more for me. He wanted me to bless me. He wanted to bless me in ways that I wasn't allowing and in ways that I couldn't see. But in order to receive those blessings, I was going to have to finally fully trust in him. And in the midst of that profound loss, I did. I gave it all over to God. And in the midst of all that pain, I found healing in him. And in the midst of that loss, I found hope in him. God took that shattered pieces of my life and shaped it into something new that couldn't exist apart from him. And that was 12 years ago, and God has refused to let me go since then. Thank God. So I've given my heart and my life over to God, and I've made him, I've been made new by him, and he's been more than worthy of my trust. He's healed me. He's redeemed my life for his glory and his purpose. He's drawn me into relationship with him, and I love him. He's blessed me immeasurably with my beautiful and godly wife, Lorraine, a wonderful family, and in many, many other ways. I'm grateful, and I'm blessed. Lorraine and I came to ORCC several months ago. Moving on from old church was difficult, but I consider an act of obedience. And once again, God has richly blessed that obedience in profound and amazing ways that we couldn't have anticipated at the start of that journey. He continues to prove time and time again that he is worthy of trust and his ways are good, which leads me here today. Christ knew no sin with no need of repentance or forgiveness. Yet 2 Corinthians tells us that he underwent baptism in order to fulfill all righteousness. If Christ can do it, how can I not follow his example? 
So baptism has been on heart, my heart for years, but I haven't pursued it, and that's been a difficult burden for me at times. Can't explain it. I could stand here and attempt to justify why I haven't sought it out before now. I've rationalized it a number of different ways over the years. But the simple fact of the matter is that I haven't been obedient toward God in this way. So I wish to confess that and for that disobedience to end today. So Jesus is my Savior and the Lord of my life. He loved me before I loved him. I'm redeemed and made new by his blood. I trust him with my life, and I want to publicly profess my faith in him. Praise God. We each have our own story, but it is, he's the same Savior for all of us. So, Steve, because of your public profession of faith and your act of obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ, it's a, my pleasure to baptize you today. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I baptize you. If we can just have another round of applause for everyone and, the, and just the awesome blessing that has happened today. Awesome. Appreciate all again your uh, active obedience that you allowed us to just partake in and be blessed with this morning.